with those lovely notes from Giuseppe Ver- uh, That wasn't Giuseppe Verde, and as you can tell, I'm not Frank Ravello. Welcome to the New World Order of Calcio. I'm your host, Richard Carmen. Frank is off this week. There's no truth to the rumor that Frank is away breaking tasteful things after that Milan performance against Juventus yesterday. We, of course, are part of the World Football Index. Make sure you check out all the fantastic articles and podcasts on the website. A lot of good reads on the Copa Libertadores, uh, finals between Boca Juniors and River Plate, a super, super classico, if you will. On today's show, we talk shock defeats. We're looking at you, Torino, Udinese, Inter, and goals galore, mostly at the expense of the Milanese clubs. Um, I don't do this alone, and today in Frank's place, we have Syria opinionist, writer, and vlogger. He's done over 500 pieces for Italian Football Daily and Touchline 365. Make sure you follow his YouTube page, Serie A Game of the Week. Serie A sit-down welcomes back for his second cap, Rocco Fasano. Benvenuto, Rocco. Yo, yo, yo. How's it going, everybody? Thanks for the uh, call. Hey, glad to have you uh, Glad to have you on. Uh, Frank was a little under the weather this weekend, so uh, we thought why not to bring you back for a quick second cap. Uh, we're not going to do you like Rooney and wait till the last minute, so we're just going to you know, keep bringing you on as often as we can. Perfect. <laughs> Uh, before we uh, go move any further into this podcast, it does seem confirmed that um, Gian Piero Ventura has resigned from Kievo just after four games with the team, leaving Captain Sergio Pellissier fuming. Rocco, um, I haven't seen anything today. Do do we know if uh, anyone has been confirmed yet as the, to take over Kievo in place of Ventura? I have heard nothing, and I recall that. Uh, in fact, he uh, had requested, uh, had spoken to Campadelli, who was the uh, Kievo president, um, uh, to step down right after the shellacking, the absolute waxing they got at home by Atalanta uh, a week or so uh, before. And uh, his uh, resignation was actually pushed back uh, by Campadelli, asked them for uh, a little more effort, a little more time. Uh, in the meantime, no, uh, he stepped down right after the uh, right after the gaining the first point of uh, of his stay at Kiev in the last. It looks like it will be the last. I don't want to say that I am surprised by this because I'm not. Um, I just I expected it maybe to last a bit longer, and I, I feel like Frank and I had a bet on how long this would last. Um, and I thought maybe it would last the whole season, and this is well under I think Frank's guess of twenty games or so. So. Four games. Are you are you shocked that it it came to an end this quickly? I mean, I I for sure thought it would have gone at least through Christmas. Yeah, yeah. It looks like Ventura Kievo lasted uh, uh, less than Bud Bundy. I don't know if you remember the Married with Children series from the nineties. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice one, nice one. But uh, to be honest, I mean, who in Serie a of, of of at least uh, a lot of the Serie a community, especially the Serie a community on Twitter, uh, you know. They all absolutely thought that this was a marriage made in heaven, wasn't it? I mean, <laughs> Kievo, one of the somewhat let's just let's just call it what it is. Kievo is probably one of the most despised uh, teams, uh, not simpatico teams, uh, antipatica, as we would say in Italian teams <laughs> in Serie A, uh, old, aging, uh, flying donkeys who no longer fly. They're kind of like chickens; they've forgotten how. Um, and, uh, you know, in Ventura, who uh, a year ago, almost to the date, uh, that was November 13th, and we're currently recording on November uh, 12th, uh, granted Italy or uh, gifted Italy one of the worst gifts 
in recent history, in the last uh, 50, at the time, 58 years. Uh, and that was the elimination at the hands of Sweden, who uh, was a team that featured um, uh, players that played in the great Saudi Arabian uh, league, as well as the, uh, as the MLS, no shots at the MLS. <laughs> Very good. Um, yeah, it's uh, Kiev. I mean, uh, Ventura. He's just. I think now. I don't know if he'll get another job after the Italy debacle and now Kievo. You know, lasting less than a month. Um, I think his days are numbered as far as that. But I mean, who knows? He, maybe he likes to po- prove people wrong and then see how what kind of stupid things he can do just to keep getting jobs. Uh, but time will tell on that. I think that uh, Ventura will probably be now uh relegated to um boche uh or you know watching buildings being built you know walking around uh town with his hands behind his back at a very slow pace <laughs> <laughs> yeah most likely that's what that's what's going to happen there um so let's get on to the big game of the weekend, at least in my opinion, and I'm sure for most people. Uh, Sunday night, we had Milan hosting Juventus. Obviously, um, before the game, we saw the, the huge TIFO by Milan. Obviously, uh, the derby a, a couple weeks ago, Inter outshone them, and so they knew they, knew they had to step up their game. Um, this big match featured the highest-scoring team in Serie A in terms of goals per game, uh, Juventus, against the third-highest-scoring team, believe it or not, in Milan. Um, both teams... Coming into the game, we're in Champions League spots, but to say Milan were a step or two below the visitors would be a massive understatement. Um, coming into this game, Milan was hit with a slew of injuries. Um, they were forced to patch up their lineup with a makeshift bunch. Um, this included replacing Matteo Muzacchio uh, this week, who will be out six to eight weeks with an injury. So the lineup for Milan in this one, Gianluigi Donnarumma behind the goal. Uh, Ignacio Abate, Christian Zapata, Alessio Romagnoli, and Ricardo Rodriguez in the back. Uh, Suzo, Frank Kessier, uh, Timio Bakayoko, and Hakan Chalanolu were in the midfield. And up top, you had Samuel Castillejo and Gonzalo Higuain. Um, a makeshift bunch, if you will, Rocco. Uh, but it seemed like Juventus, uh, they were not showing any sympathy to Milan in that respect. Yes, Bonucci was not going to be in the game. Uh, we knew that from the beginning. But um, looking at their looking at their... Their lineup in this one, uh, obviously, Wojciech Szczesny in goal, Jao Cancelo, uh, Medi Benatia, Giorgio Chiellini, and Alexandro in the back, Rodrigo Bentacur, Miran Pjanic, Blaise Matuidi, Paolo Dybala, Mario Mandzukic, and some kid they brought up from the Primavera squad, Cristiano Ronaldo. <laughs> um, you look at the two lineups, it shows, I mean, obviously, Milan wants to win a game like this, but you look at the two lineups, and it's uh, David versus Goliath with all the patchwork that Milan had to do and all the superstars on uh, Juventus. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I think that uh, Milan uh, were uh, outskilled here as far as if we're looking at uh, player by player comparison. Um, and and you, you took the you took us through the lineups one by one. The uh, Juventus coming in with uh, the uh, kind of shock uh, for many Juventini uh, whom uh, I watched a game with at uh, the Juventus Club of Toronto uh, uh, with the replacement of Bonucci. Bonucci was left on the bench, uh, even though he was to return to Milan after having played there last year and probably would have uh, been welcome with uh, the odd whistle. And by odd, I mean every single Milan fan in the stadium. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and and replaced by Amidi Benatia, who had 
uh, one week prior uh, lamented his uh, lack of employment at uh, in this 2018-19 uh, event aside and had um, quoted a January, um, uh, let's see what happens in January, uh, right at the end of that interview. So uh, Allegri perhaps doing uh, the somewhat Salomonic, uh, being King Solomon in this situation, uh, protecting Bonucci from whistles and at the same time granting Benatia uh, some uh, minutes, injecting some uh, potential happiness uh, into the Moroccan, uh, who, as uh, we saw, and I'm sure you're going to get into it, uh, was uh, definitely a protagonist in this game, in the good, uh, especially in the, especially <laughs> with with respect to second half performance, and in the bad, uh, with respect to his, his first half uh, performance. But Milan coming into this with a lot of injuries, yep, um, they 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 uh, they were uh, definitely. Uh, had a lot of band-aids on them af- after that uh, midweek game against Betis in uh, Seville, uh, and um, you know I was surprised that act- they, that they ended up fielding the likes of uh, Kessi and Charanoglu, uh, who kind of had to uh, tough it out for uh, for a game because uh, I-, I don't think Gattuso really wanted to say uh, to 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 have uh, even more injuries, uh, even more injured players to say no to. To more options, attacking op- options such as uh, 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 Charanoglu uh, and uh, and midfield option, the option of uh, of Kessi. Yeah, absolutely. Gattuso had only so many guys that he could trust to, to start in this game, and um, he decided to keep out there Charanoglu and, and Suzo, like you said, uh, and Iguain. Even um, even though he didn't play much in the in the midweek, uh, it's good to have him out there. As always, trying to get revenge on his former team, no doubt about that. Uh, Rocco Milan, they knew despite being at home, that they would have to have the perfect game plan against Juventus. And that game plan was shot to shit, if, excuse my French, uh, just eight minutes in when Alexandro, uh, with a sublime cross to Mari Mandzukic uh, with a headed goal. When things like that, you know, a game like that for Milan, in Milan's instance, you know, they know they have to play perfect to win the game. And then just minutes into the game, a goal like that, a cro- beautiful cross, a goal um, has to deflate them beyond belief. Yeah, I uh, in in that type of situation, um, Alexandro, where who was often passing the ball with a short pass off to Ronaldo into the corner, instead opted uh, saw the space and saw uh, the opportunity to cross the ball uh, deep into the Milan box, uh, finding um, both DiBala and uh, Mandzukic. Uh, that were um, handled to be handled by the sole uh, Rodriguez, I think it was on that far end, um, and uh, and of course uh, Manzukic coming up with uh, he looked like a volleyball player, you know, he just kind of he kind of jumped up and and just stayed up there, <laughs> right, and just was levitating and completely uh, sp- looked like he spiked right over with that header. Uh, spiked right over Rodriguez into the back of the net. The opportunity, which, funny enough, it looked like to me, um, was almost repeated itself uh, to a T. Yeah, a few minutes later, <laughs> and looked like, uh, and, and Manzukic in that situation was, um, the ball wasn't as high, and he wasn't uh, able to get to it. It was anticipated by the uh, on that play. I kind of felt like I was Never want to play video games when you have that cheater goal that you always. Yeah, exactly, exactly. 
I got I got that kind of feeling of like, well, if Juventus kind of unlocked that type of uh, that type of goal on on Milan. Luckily for uh, for us, the neutral fans, you know, that wasn't to be, and there was a lot of game left uh, in that. And you saw Milan uh, slowly but surely uh, up uh, up uh, their their opportunities and whichever <laughs> the, the few that they had, uh, and uh, you know, continued with a very very physical game. And it's it, Milan luckily did make an adjustment right away because uh, Ricard, Ricardo Rodriguez was uh, completely left to uh, at the mercy of Mandzukic and luckily Romagnoli stepped up to, to head it away for that second opportunity or it would have been 2 nothing, like you said. Um, it did seem though like Juventus were keen on going on that right side of Milan and by that right side I mean Suzo and Abate. Um, and it seemed that most of their quality opportunities did come from that side of the pitch. What did Juventus see on that side of the pitch that made them feel uh, that they needed to attack it more than more than the left side? Well, I think more than anything, it has to do not so much with, uh, and, I, and I know you're hinting at, at a weakness in, in, uh, in Milan's armor, but I think I would flip it the other way and, and look at, at the type of power that we had going down uh, the left side, which is uh, Alexandro and that kind of the solidity that, that uh, he brought to the game as well as uh, Ronaldo on that left side. Um, on the right, uh, we, uh, we, we saw uh, Nibala who, uh, and, and Amandzuk, which were kind of switched up uh, with each other, who are not... Uh, Dybala definitely tends to go into the middle more, and uh, Mandzukic, who on the on the right flank wasn't able to have that penetration that uh, that uh, Ronaldo has, and I'm sure all of your listeners right now are trying to make some kind of <laughs> sexual kind of connotation. Uh, <laughs> None met whatsoever. Uh, <laughs> at least not up. I'm, you know, I'm curious about the the lack of insertion by uh, Bernadeschi in this one. It seemed like he has, uh, in this young season, has a lot of chemistry with Ronaldo. But is it more that they're trying, just trying to fit in Dybala and Mandzukic in, the, in this attack as opposed to leaving him out, or is it something that underlined that we're not seeing the, for the reasoning for him not being in the lineup? Uh, Mandzukic, uh, sorry, Bernadeschi. Allegri uh, was fairly uh, clear about that uh, he had a blistering start. Um, he he was he played very well in the preseason prep in the U.S. I had a chance to see him uh, live and um, and uh, carried that momentum through uh, the uh, first part, uh, the very first part of the season, September and October, parts of October, and then he had a problem, uh, a, a slight physical problem. That uh, I think compromised some of his performances and wasn't uh, kind of Allegri selected uh, other players instead, uh, and he kind of just let him, uh, just let him uh, rest a little bit in order to to get him back and fully. So I'm fully expecting after the international break to see Bernardeschi return to the fold, uh, get more minutes. And this is definitely not a uh, uh, he. Uh, He's not getting a failing mark by by Allegri, uh, but it's it's more of a okay, just rest, boy, because you're gonna need uh, the energy for later. So uh, you ready? 
Oh, that's well. That's good, at least from an Azuri standpoint too, because he could be someone who could contribute massively for the team. Um, so let's talk about a guy that you were mentioning earlier, who had himself quite a game, uh, and that is Medi Benatia. Um, he would pick up a yellow in the 34th minute, and that is worth noting because not even five minutes later, he would get a handball in the box, and Milan rewarded a penalty. Rocco, uh, before we get to the from, to the penalty kick itself, um, should Benatia receive a second yellow for that handball? In your opinion? Uh, in my in my opinion, he shouldn't have. And forgive me for, for seeming like a whole commercial on the last time <laughs> on this podcast. I uh, it was uh, right after the Rangers game in which we were awarded what I called at the time a soft penalty. <laughs> And I wasn't aware of that then, and I got flat from Fugatini. And of course, you know, got into battles on social media with, of course, mostly friendly and Pacific ones, but nonetheless. And it's not because of that that I'm hoping I'm over this time, but just in my judgment, the when I saw the foul happen, I was. Uh, happy that he kind of was awarded, even though uh, as a fan, I, I, I was uh, I'm never happy to see my team uh, have a, a penalty shot awarded against. But um, having said that, uh, you know I was happy that Bar was called, it was reviewed, and Bondad uh, really, made the right call. He did stop the ball uh, with his hand, um, but with regards to cautioning. Um, if uh, if there is a foul that's committed uh, that interferes with uh, or stops a proxy attack, and except for the referee awards a penalty, then uh, a yellow card uh, should not have been should not have been awarded. I'm looking at it's actually referring back to the rule book. So I'm throwing the rule book at right, I like that. I like that. Facts. We deal with facts here. Facts, <laughs> absolutely. Page 101. With regards to cautioning, and I actually shush out of my good friend, uh, Mino uh, Domenico Coppola, who pointed this out to me this morning in a rather uh, heated conversation because I did read some of the reviews uh, by uh, some uh, some officials who write uh, reports on refereeing on officiating Uh, didn't have to 
just fail right to, uh, to brandish a second, second yellow card. Oh, very well said. And hey, look, look, you said you said it there in the rule book. It states that really a yellow should not have been awarded in this case. As me as a homer pick and watching the game, I'm thinking that's the second yellow, right? But I can see though where the referee is coming. You're you're in a big game, right? It's a massive game. You already give this guy a yellow card. The game will change completely if you give him a red. You know, most more than likely. I mean, Juventus are very strong, but you know it's 11 versus 10. The game will change completely, and if it does unravel. You were looked at from that one play about what happened, so I can see him granting sympathy as far as not giving a yellow. And the rulebook clearly states, as you just showed, said to us, um, yellow was not warranted in that situation. So I'm fine with that. The Milan in me says it's a it's a, a red, but I'm 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 clearly okay with the call. I'm looking at it unbiasedly, and you know, based on that and based on what the referee's seen, I can see him not giving a yellow. Um, I'm probably gonna get flack at this now because people are gonna say, ah, you, "What are you talking about? You're just a Juventini too, or whatever." But that's just, I'm trying to be unbiased about this, um, and so I can see exactly where the referee's coming. And just like you said in the rule book, states um, a, a yellow, second yellow would not have to have been given there. Um, so uh, a penalty is still awarded, like VAR, like VR did review it and said there was it was a penalty. Upset Gonzalo Iguain. This is not someone who I would personally put up there. I know why he's up there. He wants to get revenge. He's missed the penalty already this year. Um, he, while well, he's a, a fantastic poacher, a world-class poacher, he is not someone who typically finishes. The, it, it doesn't matter how good you are. A lot of these guys, Ronaldo, Messi, they kind of struggle from the spot sometimes. And Iguain's no no different. And so having him up there, I figured he was going to miss. He had a great shot. You got to give credit to Chesney with the beautiful hand or finger save to get it on the post. Um, I'm not going to blame Iguain on this at all. It was all Chesney with a great reaction to get it on the post because it was it was headed for the net. Yeah, um, you know what? Uh, anybody in the history of Gonzalo Iguain, uh, the apologies will lament his big penalty shot miss against a decisive match against uh, Lazio. Yep. Yep. Uh, that cost them the uh, Champions League qualification spot. Uh, the Argentine fans will lament the huge uh, miss uh, against Germany in the uh, World Cup final in 2014. Uh, and, you know, Jimenez uh, will remember uh, the, the no-show in, uh, in Cardiff. But we all know that probably has to his name uh, the second Spudetto, last year's Spudetto, with that, uh, the goal he poked in at the uh, 93rd minute in, uh, in Milan in the same stadium against Inter. Um, Boyne unfortunately, has had those, uh, those types of situations, and, you know, to me, uh, it's both his, uh, his virtue, but also uh, his uh, back quality. Uh, but his his um, his emotional uh, his emotional state, right? His heightened emotional state, how he feels, how he goes, uh, and, and then we also saw that in the reaction that led to the red card, uh, how he feels, he's being very passionate. And I think I, 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 if Gonzalo Green did not become a footballer, he'd definitely be a great tango dancer. <laughs> with just a one-goal lead there for Juventus. Um, coming out in the second half, 
you know, Juventus, Menatia in, in particular, was having himself a, a very good game at that point. Um, shutting down Milan. Milan weren't really getting any opportunities, uh, mostly because of the defense. Uh, it seemed like Milan obviously wanted to get back in the game, trying to get a result out of this. They brought in Patrick Cotrone, Fabio Borini, Diego Laxalt. Um, but it seemed the opposite effect would happen because of this newly subbed in Laxalt um, with a horrendous giveaway in his own zone, gave it to Jao Cancelo, uh, who took a shot that was saved by Donnarumma. Unfortunately, it went right into the path of Ronaldo, who blasted it into the back of the net. Juve up 2-0 just like that with nine minutes left remaining. Rocco, was this more a bad pass to, by Laxalt, or was this a good read by Cancelo? I think... Uh... Uh, in that case, Laxalt uh, tried to play with the ball, and I believe um, I want to say it was Mandzukic who slowly got a foot on it, barely flipped it, and, and took the mustard out of the ma- out of the game, out of the ball. Sorry, enough for the base to look like it was it was an assist by Laxalt to Cancel. Uh, but no, and and Cancel did a great job afterwards in. Uh, faking out uh, to, towards the outside and then, and then uh, smashing the ball as hard as he could, uh, looking for that second post, as you said, and then uh, Donnarumma doing, a, doing what he could on the shot, really. I wouldn't blame him much for the for giving up that kind of a rebound on that close range uh, of a hard shot by Hudson, uh, in, order, in order to then uh, have Ronaldo slam in the, the nail, the, the ball that, that turned out to be and if if Milan fans or and Juventini weren't sure that the game was done at that point, uh, it would certainly be done. And two minutes later, um, <laughs> that man who could have been sent off earlier, um, Benatia, goes up for a headed ball. Uh, he is fouled hard by Iguain. Referee pulls out a yellow card. Iguain continues to berate the official and Paolo Mazzoleni. He obliges him, giving him a red card, infuriating the Argentine even more. Uh, he started getting really heated with Ronaldo and a couple other guys. Um, <laughs> Rocco, Iguain lost his head, no doubt about it. But did he have a point to all of this um, berating he was doing to the official? I think, uh, I think he was frustrated. Um, I, I personally think that um, Mazzolini got a little, was a little too sensitive. Yeah, yeah, that was a quick red. That was a quick red. Uh, as someone who's sitting, uh, you know, thousands of kilometers away in a dark, uh, watching this game, uh, and, you know, in a, in a cold country, uh, I thought it was, uh, uh, it was a little too rash of Mazzolini to French a second yellow card in a row because of because of his reaction, because of uh, I think the uh, the football show it was protests for which he was um, he was carded. Uh, so and you know he, he, I, I read like lips he said he always always me always to me always to me foul you you, um, you, uh, you whistle this kind of foul or, or you give him this type of yellow card and then uh, you know I think he, he took a little. A little too personal, I'm not saying, I, I think, uh, and, uh, and he just sent them off. I think he just killed the game off right there. Uh, not a good feeling at all from a uh, Luther standpoint, and also as a, as a new defense, I'd like to see uh, such a, a big influence on some, someone who could have been a big influ
because, you know, you never know, right? Let's, let's face it. Until the very first minute of the first half, yep. when Milan was awarded that penalty, you know, Milan did not have a heck of a lot. <laughs> no, no. Two shots on goal the entire match. You were with uh, a handful more. I want to say somewhere in the seven or eight range. I don't have the those stats handy, but you know, you know, and, and it also showed. Right? I mean, never mind looking at the stats when you're when God, you're watching the game. You know, we were recouping the ball without having to, uh, to resort to fouls. Um, you know, our, our passes, our like, the total number of passes this time around, we actually not over 500 passes. Uh, and 89% completion rate, which which is about average for Juve. Juve's Juve's more dominant games. We get over 500 passes, and uh, and uh, completion rates around 91%. But you know this type of thing, eh, it's a Wayne could have stuck around, could have stuck the goal in, made it 2-1, and then we could have all been watching a game that went down to the wire. Alas, it wasn't so. I think that's what they made. Uh, uh, a mistake in that in that regard, possibly uh, the second mistake, the second big mistake uh, of the match. I mean, you know, let's let's all face it. Benatia could have could have been expelled, just you know, as some former referees, as I said, would have. Uh, and uh, I know there goes the game. So it's you know, there, there could have been a few sliding doors type situations here where uh, one decision would have changed the, the course of the, of the match. Not saying the result. Probably was going to be a Juve either way, as we saw in this minute, Valencia 10 against 11. But the type of game that we would have seen, the number of goals scored, would have been, could have been. Absolutely. And, and to, to feed into some of your point there, shots uh, for Milan on target were two, and for Juventus were eight. Um, so, you know, it, that just speaks that Milan were not getting the opportunities that they needed to to get the result. And like you said, things could have changed had he seen the game, but that was not the case. Um, I want to play a little devil's advocate with you, just just for fun here. Uh, you know what anti-Juve are going to say and, and Milanisti are going to say is that had had uh, Gonzalo been wearing the black and whites, he would have not been sent off. Or, or, you know, if it was Milan in the case with uh, Benatia, that he would have got a red and, and not Juventus. They're going to say, oh, they're pushing, towards re- the referee, they're pushing towards Juventus. I know it's not the fact. But people are going to say this. Twitter is going to say this. Um so how do how do you ignore that that those kind of that those that hate basically what it is from 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 the others uh, in this type of situation because you know they're gonna say they're gonna say this stuff and I mean you already brought up the rule book and it says it in black and white no no pun intended um, <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, people are gonna talk and they're gonna say you know yeah, that Juventus privilege Juventus privilege but. Uh, um, it, it, it is what it is sometimes, and it just seems that the the, the fortunate get, or the, the the successors get the the fortunes bounce, or however you want to however you want to phrase it. Well, I think, you know what, you're right. I mean, and, and I see this across a lot of sports, right? Um, where you get the 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 your, they say you're you're good because you're lucky, or is it because you're lucky? Right, right, exactly. Type of situation. I'll tell you, I often will uh, switch a jersey when I see a play, and I'll be like, okay, well, if that was, like, let's let's imagine that the athletes from Milan, and you know, well, in that case, wait, what's for you, right? Would I have called it back? I said, yeah, I would have called it, and that's when I saw it. I said, okay, let's that that 
So that was enough, like we said, once that red came out, it was enough for Milan to lose and Juventus remain in first place while Milan, because of the loss, fall one point behind Lazio from fourth place to fifth. Rocco, um, I, we have a listener question, uh, first one of the night from Ciccio Crivello, uh, Mr. Frank. He says, does it seem that not just Milan, but all of Syria, maybe outside of Napoli, have an inferiority, inferiority complex when it comes to Juventus, Napoli obviously uh, sheds that sheds that mystique, and they, they they play their game against Juventus and give it a heck of a game, and it's been pretty even uh, over the last couple seasons. But everybody else, it seems like, just fall back and and is looking awe at Juventus, and then don't play their game at all. Uh, Milan is a case where they they always play that against the big teams. We saw that in the Derby, uh, we seen it against Lazio and stuff like that. Um, but it seems like every other team in Serie A, just looking at them in awe, and even more so this year with the names of Ronaldo and, and Cancelo that added to the, the already the star-studded lineup. Yes, and you know, uh, if you will, to, to use an old football cliche, Mark Ross, uh, he did a different game play against uh, the likes of Diego uh, or against uh, the mid-table side. I mean, shit, if everybody is being a little simple arrogant, more fun. I was saying, you know, shit, it, wouldn't it be great if I'm everyone played? Uh, you play the way that now we play you, man. Yeah. Like, score three goals a game. <laughs> <laughs> uh, having, having said that, this is all the underlying fact that uh, teams that, that, that teams that play Juventus have all the more reason to uh, uh, to play their best, to play how many times have you seen any Juventus fans or women that these uh, mid-table or low-relegation-battle uh, sides uh, play Juventus in a, in a typically, you know, they play Juventus typically well. Yeah, yeah. You know, they, they'll completely change their their formations in order to land on this or that player, or they'll fire their coach a week before they play Juventus like they did uh, in numerous times with the the more recent one I can think of is Urich, right? And the, the, always the drop in games all sometimes scores and then you know they're ready they go and they steal two points uh, at Allianz uh, Stadium. Um, you know I think the flip side of that is that um, they play so well uh, against the events that uh, they might they may not play their game but they play to disrupt, they play to stop, and they, they, they hopefully, hopefully uh, get a goal on a, 
on an on uh, rush forward, on an on camera uh, forward, on an on kind of penalty call, like we saw with Milan, for example, they could have tightened the game up uh, and things could have gone their way. Uh, but I think that uh, this is the why. Why is this the case? Because Juventus um, has a behind them, has interest, has the world's eyes. And they know that this is their shot, this is their lead. This is their opportunity uh, up on stage to come and and, uh, and show what they've got, you know? and uh, they know. And that's why that's why we see Kiev play out of their mind. Yeah. 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 Uh, some odd goal. by Benavides, they would have they would have uh, they would have dropped the first points of the season in their first uh, very first game. Uh, this is why we see Genoa tie tie up uh, tie us up. In uh, Allianz, it's why we saw Frosinone uh, struggle against them until uh, we found uh, the goal that opened things up at the 75th uh, uh, minute. Uh, and, and so, and the, the goal, that's why we needed a, a, an amazing Ronaldo strike uh, at Ecuador to, to put us up 2 uh, 1 uh, towards the very end of the, of the match. You know, this is why all of this did. Uh, so, you know, I think it's a tactic that yes it doesn't work uh, however um, it's worked in the past so many times against us and this year uh, we've, we've been lucky to be greater than that to be all of the strong all the in order in order to um, in order in order to defeat these great uh, defensive displays by by these uh, let's say smaller sides I'm excluding Milan from that Milan is not a small side. Um, but uh, perhaps uh, in terms of skill, uh, they, uh, they, they're a mismatch for as you, as you said at the top of the show. Yeah, and it's unfortunate too that these upper upper teams are not playing them the way they normally play against other teams because we saw this weekend in La Liga where Betis, you know, they were not scared to go to Cap Nou and they went and played Barcelona and beat them. Um, so we can only imagine what Inter would do like if they played to their potential or Lazio or Roma. Lazio has done it in the past. Um, but uh, some of these other clubs like Roma and all these other teams who have the potential to beat Juventus or even Atalanta don't because they, they changed their formation completely. So um, so that is uh, that will wrap up our Juventus talk uh, against Milan. It was an enthralling game for sure. Juventus... Uh, you know, staking their claim as the best team in Serie A, and and they're inserting their dominance once more. But uh, let's go to the rest of match week twelve. All right, so we're gonna go real quick through all the scores, um, and then we'll talk about our winners and losers of this, and then go into more listener questions. Um, start the matches started off Friday night. Frosinone against Fiorentina. Um, Benassi opened the scoring in the 47th minute just after halftime. Um, only to uh, Inter-Academy player Andrea Pinamonti with uh, one of the top goals of the week. Gets the goal in the 89th to tie the game 1-1. Uh, moving on to Saturday. Uh, first shock of the weekend, in my opinion. Torino hosting Parma. Uh, Pace FC with Gervinho and Biabiani. Um, the scoring would start, though, uh, bright and early by one of those members of Pace FC, Gervinho, with his one of his uh, marauding runs down the left flank. 
Um, he gets behind, or he he gets up to two defenders. The two de- Torino defenders, uh, Nicholas and Nicola and Colo, and uh, I forget who the other guy was. They ran into each other. Ball bounced everywhere. Came right back to Jovino Rocco, um, and he scores short side. That was a calamitous play and a beautiful play all in one with with pace and and also some some terrible defending. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, that was, uh, this was one, the only game that really threw me uh, on my on my uh, little blog, but it's weekly, I actually predicted 9 out of the 10 uh, <laughs> scores were correct, but this was the one that threw me. I was expecting uh, a Torino side that uh, would come back from Victoria's front, a, uh, the Marassi, where they had uh, absolutely shellacked. Yeah. Yeah. Prior to uh, come back to their friendly uh, walls of Olimpo uh, Torino uh, in order to uh, to give Parma uh, a nice spanking, but uh, this wasn't the case, and perhaps uh, on the balance, Torino did uh, come into this game with a few more points than one would otherwise uh, predict, and uh, Parma really showing that they are the, the mid-table side that everybody expected. Uh, you know, to, to kind of come back and to start to relive their glory days. Yeah, and uh, they would double their lead uh, just 20 minutes later. A beautiful play between uh, Gervinho and Inglese. Inglese with a beautiful right-footed shot to the, to the top corner. Uh, 2-0 Parma. Uh, shock in order. Baselli kind of level, got close to um, bring the game back, if you will, in the 37th minute. But that is as close as Torino would come. Parma would get the victory on the road 2-1. to one. Moving to uh, the next game, Spal against Cagliari. This is, while this may not be necessarily on everyone's radar as far as games to watch, um, it certainly had its goals in this one, uh, especially in the second half. There was a flurry of them. Uh, so early on, uh, Petania with a lovely header of a goal gives Spa the lead 1-0. Um, and it looked like that kind of game that you would get would be a low-scoring game between these two. Not really with the, uh, uh, I guess, wherewithal to score many goals this, in this season. Um, so it went to halftime by that score. And the second half is when things kicked off. Um, an honorable mention for goal of the week is this goal by Antonucci. Beautiful play by Lazzari to Antonucci with the beautiful goal. Uh, Spal up 2-0. You think they're sitting pretty, right? Well, no. Uh, two minutes later, Pavoletti would bring one back for Cagliari, and then three minutes after that, Ionita would get a goal in the 76 to tie the game 2-2. That's how we would end in that one. Moving on to the Marassi, um, we're looking at Genoa. Uh, so the goal looked like we may have had a shock in order. Uh, Kuame with a goal in the 20th minute. Uh, give Genoa the lead 1-0. Uh it seemed maybe, you know, going to the first half down one nothing. Uh, Napoli were maybe not going to have luck on their side with the goals. They, they clearly get enough possession, but just couldn't finish. Um, second half, though, things would change. Uh, 60-second strike by Fabian Ruiz, who's having himself a, a fantastic season for Napoli. Uh, gets him on the board, levels the score. Beraski would get an own goal in the 86th minute. Napoli win 2-1 on the road. Another shock of the weekend uh, for me... Atalanta hosting Inter and uh, I mean fantastic crowd in Bergamo. Um, we had goals from Hatabor, which was equalized by Icardi in the 47th minute with a penalty. But then we had Mancini, uh, Jamisti, and Papu Gomez in stoppage time with one of the goals of the week um, to win 4-1 at home. Inter 
looking uh, shambolic, uh, Rocco, if to say the least. Um, it's they've been very pretty consistent this season so far, but they still have their mental lapses, and this game was uh, a proof of that. How hard? These guys had, I mean, yes, they four points in the first four games, granted, again, but they followed that up with seven points in the front, looking like an armada that no one was going to get in the way. Yep. And sure enough, good old Gaspiri gets, gets his annual uh, revenge in center. Uh, and, uh, you know, Balanca is really showing that my theory of. Uh, Regression towards the mean when it comes to uh, to side is, is real. I mean, Atalanta had a great start to the season because they were super ready. They were playing in their mid-season form. Destroyed small, then pretty showed up. Pretty uh, showed up Roma at the Olympico, even though the Bagnamasco side. Playing second string, and then they went to the whole string. So much so that we started to hear rumors, whispers about the dismissal of Gasparini, uh, but they believed in him and they stuck around. And sure enough, once they turned it around, now they put, they put I think, uh, I think it's their third win in a row. Um, I predicted. Soccer gods were frowning upon 
upon Atalanta, but they more than made up for it in uh, overcoming that coach, overcoming the battle, overcoming the underdogs, and when they get ready, for one. Yeah, we've seen time and time again that Bergamo can be a daunting place to play at, as Inter found out the hard way. Now, going into uh, Gian Piero Ventura's swan song, if you will. Uh, I don't think we knew this going into this, but this is how the game would end. Um, Chievo against Bologna and Santander, who's had a penchant for scoring early-minute goals, uh, gets, his, I think, third in a row or something uh, for Bologna, scoring the fifth minute to get them up one nothing. Um, Maggiorini would get a penalty in the 20th. Um, Obi would get a goal in the 45th for make a 2-1 for v, uh, for Chievo, and then Orsolini would with a emphatic uh, leveler and to make it 2-2. Uh, that's how that game would end. Um, and as we said, Ventura would we would lo- no longer see him behind the Chievo bench in Fury and Pulisier. Uh, moving on to Empoli against Udinese, another shocker in my book. Um, uh, the, the scoring started with Zayic with, an, with, a, with a lovely goal to give Empoli the lead, one nothing. And then just 10 minutes later, uh, their leader, their goal scorer, Caputo, with a goal to give it a 2-0 lead. Um, yes, Puceto would get a goal to, to bring it back a goal, but it would end up being 2-1 for Empoli. Um, and Velasquez's days could be numbered, but we don't know. Um, Udinese, they play very well sometimes, like they did against Milan, and then they struggle against against uh, low-bottom low teams like Empoli. So a head-scratcher there. They have all the talent in the world. Moving on to Roma against Sampdoria. Roma at home in this one. And uh, the lineups were a little bit different for Roma. They tried to give the youngsters a chance. And they would show and pr- prove dividends. Uh, Juan Jesus would get the goal in the 19th minute to give Roma a lead 1-0. Uh, Patrick Schick would follow suit in the 59th with the goal. El Sharawi with one of the goals of the weekend also in the 73rd. And then he would follow that up with a second in stoppage time. Um, a consolation goal by DeFrel in the 89th minute, but uh, it was all Roma in this one. This is back-to-back weeks for Sampdoria where they just get shellacked. Um, it's head-scratching with them. Cause, go ahead. I don't understand it. Though. Yeah, yeah. So, so one of these sides that, you know, I, I can kind of see it with Woody, right? I mean, Mazzari, he's like a bro. <laughs> you know, twice uh, uh, in day, but you know, often is wrong. Um, but it's talent like Jampaolo, uh, let's not forget, is uh, is a pupil of Sadhus. Um, you know, I think that either this might just be a lack of depth on the side uh, and injuries. Um, but, you know, some games it looks like he's going to rock you and there's they look absolutely and then there's the other words that I think it's completely uh, wrong that ball uh, by Torino and then, of course, you know, I mean, if you go into the Olympico against uh, Roma, who's, uh, who's uh, hot off of a long trip to uh, Moscow, where they basically get a qualification for for the next for the next round. Yep. Um, maybe you know excited, maybe on the wings of, of, of that excitement. You know, in, in Italian, there's in Italian football. There's a saying that says uh, "vincere aiuta vincere," which means that winning helps winning, right? 
So as opposed to dropping games that you can't, that you can allow, be allowed to drop, you know, you have you have uh, wins that help towards consecutive wins, right? And you just and you just keep on uh, keep a streak going, right? So that was kind of what I what I saw here. Uh, Roma, of course, the more talented side, I believe. Sampdoria was also without their talismanic Guadalajara uh, for this game. I didn't see him feature. I didn't watch every minute of this game, but I didn't see him feature. Um, um, I just want to roll back quickly to uh, just, just a quick mention to the Empoli uh, Udinese game. Uh, on the 2-0, uh, Udinese was granted uh, a penalty shot, which uh, Rodrigo De Paul yeah. moved right over the Upper deck, upper deck. Upper deck, upper deck. Both him and Iguain on my pool, by the way. Mention the red card. Oh, man. You know, so, yeah, that, that's the only reason why I mentioned it, really. Uh, that, that's the only reason why I went back, because, you know, I'm so focused on me. <laughs> Hey, it's, it's all right. It's a good place to be sometimes. I mean, Mourinho made a living of that, right? <laughs> Okay. Uh, moving on. Yeah, no, no, exactly. Moving on. Uh, Sassuolo played host to Lazio in what could be argued as the dull fest of the weekend by many people who watched it that have t- messaged me. Um, uh, Sassuolo, st- oh, actually, Lazio started scoring and Marco Parolo started the scoring in the eighth minute, uh, giving Lazio lead 1 nothing. They thought maybe the day would go their way, uh, but no, just minutes later, uh, Ferrari would score a goal, an emphatic header. Um, to level it up, and then that would be all the goal scoring we would have in that one, one-one. Uh, so that would wrap up all the games of the weekend. All right, Paisans. Um, as you could tell, listen to this podcast. We had some technical difficulties. Uh, we actually had eleven more minutes left in this one. Unfortunately, we the audio was not uh, recoverable. Uh, we do what we could to save most of the podcasts. Um, it was a great podcast with Rocco. Uh, make sure you follow him at Catenacho NA on Twitter. Make sure you follow his uh, YouTube page. It's uh, Serie A Games of the Week. It's uh, it's really awesome stuff that he's doing, and we're uh, we're thankful he came back onto the show for his second cap. Uh, he was a tremendous guest. Added a lot in Frank's place uh, during this podcast. So um, follow him. Uh, you can always again follow me at r underscore k-h-a-r-m-a-n make sure you follow frank as well at ftc underscore 21 uh you can find us on youtube at Syria sit down or twitter and instagram uh if you got itunes uh make sure you give us a rating five stars uh we'll do better next week of the recording uh just a a mixed bag of crap hitting the fan at once uh so the fact that we got to save most of this podcast was a victory in itself so again we apologize for the recording uh, make sure you tune in uh, next week after we'll recap the Portugal matchup in the uh, UEFA Nations League. And as always, don't forget to tell your paisans about us. Ciao.